One set. Camera rolling. Sound, the good, the bad, and the just plain standard. Take one. Salut. Hey. All right. Welcome back to the good, the bad, and the just plain standard podcast, where we provide you with our informed opinions on movies we watched together. We are your hosts, Adam, Anouk, and Jan. Today is all about Kenneth Branagh's 2017 Murder on the Orient Express. Starring Kenneth Branagh, Johnny Depp. Daisy Ridley, Michelle Pfeiffer, Judy Dench, Penelope Cruz, Josh Gad, Leslie Odom Jr., Willem Dafoe, Derek Jacobi, Olivia Coleman, Tom Bateman, Marwan Kenzari, and Miranda Raisin. What a cast. That. What a yeah. cast. What a cast. <laughs> All-star casting. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. To be fair, the original movie way back in, I think it was like, was it the 60s or the 70s? Uh, the original movie, I don't know. I remember, uh, I just uh, have seen the 2010 um, David Suchet one. The, there, was a cla- yeah. there was a classic one, I don't remember the date, but it, for its time it had an all-star cast too. Like it had a really big cast. Oh, really? Yeah. It's just one of those. I mean, it's Agatha Christie, isn't it? So you kind of have to... Well, for years we had the, the guy that played Poirot, you know, like there was a big thing when it was his last ep- last time he was ever going to be playing the part. I remember being on um, ITV or STV or like Channel Here. I don't remember the movie but i distinctly remember the advertising being this is this is poirot's last case i.e that was the last time this actor was going to play poirot in this in this version of it is that david Suchet? yes probably if you think of poirot you would think of this guy and i imagine that is who you guys are on about yeah probably <laughs> 2010 was the um was the murder of the orient express but the last one was uh, i don't know what the, the last one was it was in uh, 2013 but i'm not sure what what it was yeah i don't remember the, the case but i do remember that it was a big deal that it was this guy's last go yeah you're talking about Suchet because he's like the most famous poirot ever yeah um, but he did a, didn't he do a TV series as well? Yeah, yeah I remember. It wasn't the, just the film. The, there were like TV specials. You know how we have, um, we consider uh, Sherlock just television now, even a little. Yeah, TV movie. Basically. That's what the, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. TV movies. Okay, yeah. I think, okay, uh, The Big Four, apparently. Was that his last one? It, yeah, it seems. Uh, right. Chess thing. Oh, Yeah. I think yeah. oh, uh, so good. I'm just seeing the picture there, but uh, maybe not because I would have to read the, the, the whole article. But I think it was the big, the big four, yeah. Okay. So, what did we think of Kenneth Branagh then as that part that is so marvelously cast in the Suchet? Are we going to have another version? iteration of Curry versus um, Skarsgård for <laughs> I don't know Suchet versus Branagh? Well, I mean, I was thinking about this because I so. The thing is that I've been watching those uh, with my mother for a while. I I never saw the murder on the Orient Express one before, but the whole series started in 1989. Okay. So I used to watch those, so I know a few tropes, which will explain why I was not surprised by the twist. But Mm -hmm. anyway... I think because I rewatched so the Suchet one a few days ago for this, and I think the French mockery—I mean, the, the, his his way of uh, playing his his jest is is better in in the, in the new one. Okay, he has more French accent, I would say. Mm. Uh, Ken, as yeah. as he's called on on, on his uh, sets, yeah, Sir Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, I go by Ken on sets. <laughs> No, I, re- I really enjoyed him in this. I thought he was very good. I was a bit curious because, you know, when you always hear that the person starring is also directing, 
you're always like, oh God, this is... Because you've got to have a, like a really good eye for um, being aware of everything going on in set and then being able to monitor your own performance and keep it in line with what you want. But yeah. Kenneth Branagh's a pro. I mean, I did that he's for a Amnet. pro. Yeah, Amnet, of course. 1996, yeah. Which we talked about last episode, four. This would be after four, right? Yes, but we will uh, release. I'm not sure when we will really because I, Thor, I'm struggling with the editing. Oh, so we'll okay. probably, oh, okay. Okay. We'll depending on the order. Uh, yeah, so. Spoiler, <laughs> we don't record these in chronological order sometimes. No, just like movies, actually. <laughs> We're That's all like very theaters. true. This isn't a theatre production. Except Victoria and stuff. But oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in the beginning, we used to record them one after one and they came out in the right schedule. But sometimes. When we were all virgins. When we were new to this podcast and malarkey. Yeah, but I've been a massive fan of uh, Sir. Branagh for since his Hamlet. So mm. I had the occasion to notice with this movie um, more than his acting, uh, which was the thing I was addicted to. I noticed he seemed to be quite fond of uh, overhead shots. Yeah, he was. Yeah. There were a few. But they're nice though, like the train traveling around when you would get the shots. I do remember in the yes. old one, it was like, you could clearly tell that it was like, <laughs> it was meant to be like the Orient Express, but you could tell that it was being filmed in England because it was just all trees. And you could like, oh, it's just any railway ever. But this one, well, budget and directing and cinematography and CGI really made me feel like you were in a totally different place. I really liked that. Yeah, well, of course. There was another shot when I think it's... Uh, well, we'll just call them, uh, well, Ken and uh, Daisy. Oh, He's yeah. talking to her and the camera is doing something on the one side, like from the from the up to down, and you see them like, uh, I, I don't know how to play, explain that, but <laughs> well, you yeah, know, they're, they're just having podcast. a talk that she, he, when he's uh, suspecting her and confronting her. Oh, and yeah. And the camera is from outside. You just see the wagon with the oh, open yeah, thing yeah, and it goes up down, and down yeah. and it goes through the, mm. yeah. I need to get something off my chest right now. Yeah. Um, so hopefully listeners are aware of my <laughs> less than glowing review of people that use Snapchat in the movie theater. Ah. Um, mm. We had, a, me and Anouk just went to see this today. Uh, we had a worse experience of that. I'm going to call these people the Johnny Depp fan club, right? So we get in and we're sitting in our seats. We got in when the trailers were on. So we couldn't find the seats that we were allocated, but we're like, okay, we'll just sit here because it's in the same room. We're like maybe one or two away. So we sat down and we're watching the trailers and stuff. And uh, this other two friends came in and they were sitting in front of us, two women, and they were on their phones during the adverts, which I'm like, it's annoying, but you know, it's the adverts. It's totally fine because it's not the movie. It's not taken away from anything. But then the movie started and they were off them. And I was like, oh, thank, thank God, we're not going to have another Snapchat scenario. But the weirdest thing happened as soon as Johnny Depp appeared in this movie, they started taking photos. <laughs> like We're uh, in the cinema. Like, I, I mean, even before that, I saw her. She was on her phone and she was on a, her messages. And she did this annoying thing where she'd put her hand over her phone. Like, that would yeah, it's gonna uh, mask back, like. anything. Like, this is an iPhone screen, for God's sake. Like, we can see you. And I'm behind her like, oh, please don't do this all the way through the film. No, worse, she was taking photos of the screen. Yeah, it was what is that? It was totally bizarre. The only thing I was Ugh. thinking in my head is like, is she like on 4chan or something? Like she's going to upload like or Pinterest. She's going to have a or Tumblr. Cause she's going to have an homage to Johnny Depp and bloody murder on the Orient Express. They could have been uh, doing a selfie or an ussy when it's more than one people like with a... <laughs> Yeah, the, 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 yeah, the face know, and the camera in the back, like, woo, 
do you know look the, who we're with. Like, do you know the moment I realised it was just for Johnny Depp? There's a scene in the movie where obviously Johnny Depp's talking to two people, and when the cam, she was about to take a photo, and then it cut to like an over, they were in a close up, you know, over the shoulder close. So it'd be Johnny Depp and someone else, and Johnny Depp and someone else. It's they're about to take a photo, and then it cut back to the other person. They put the phone down. Oh, that is unbelievable. It was. It was <laughs> unbelievable. It was just the most bizarre experience I've ever had in the movie. Mm, there are always reasons. So maybe they are in charge of the um, national uh, fan club in the UK, and they wanted to give their uh, readers some exclusives. <laughs> you know what's more funny as well? We'll get into. We'll talk about this when we get there, because obviously Johnny Depp is Mr. Ratchet, and if you if you know the story of Murder on the Orient Express, you'll know what happens as soon as Johnny Depp disappears from the movie. Movie, one of them went to sleep <laughs> i even heard i think maybe three quarters of the way someone go oh oh just fell asleep yeah the person behind us fell asleep as well i was like okay okay i think that probably nicely leads on to this film was quite slow and there was quite a lot of information that it bombarded you with so i feel like because there were all of these celebrities maybe if you came and saw this film you'd think it was you know just like a popcorn movie like, oh, I'm just going to see, oh, Johnny Depp, he's my favorite, I love him. And then not really, you're not really there for the film and for what it's about and the storyline, which yeah. I think quite a lot of films and quite a lot of people that go to cinema, they don't give a shit about what it's about and they just want to see their, their favorite stars. And that's probably what happened because we were surrounded by absolute mongoloids. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i don't know is that really is that really on pc no it doesn't matter i mean <laughs> okay i mean <laughs> i don't know if you you might have to edit that one out but do you know what but i don't actually i really want to be careful how i phrase this next bit right because the, the couple they were they were asian right so i'm almost like is this a thing in like chinese cinemas is this does this happen well, there's the stereotype who says that the Japanese particularly take uh, an insane amount of pictures, but I, I don't know. I don't know either. I'm kind of I'm kind of like to be honest, it doesn't matter. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what color of skin you have. It's regardless. Like you're in the cinema, just please put the phone away. Come on. We we will have a new thing every oh. every screening. Yes, yeah, so something will happen with a phone. I mean, it, it's almost like you can't put. <laughs> People can't put their phone down. Shall we, um, did we talk about in the Jigsaw episode? I, f I don't think we did what the guy said at the end of the screening. I don't think we said it in the episode. Uh, me, me and Nick went to see it. Uh, 31st. Hopefully you've listened to the Jigsaw episode. If not, it doesn't matter. The, this isn't about the movie. You won't, it won't make any difference. Anyway, it's the credits. The music's going. Everyone's leaving. And there's a guy who walks out of the, the auditorium just going, Oh, the book was better. <laughs> oh like, for I, God I thought that was thing. quite good I'm like oh just that very Glaswegian humour very good very good very good so it's not all bad at the cinema you know like, like yeah but wait until the credits are rolling I mean it was just ridiculous I mean there were moments where I like came out of my reverie of watching this film but I mean that's probably what a film make, should make you do like makes you just completely enveloped in that film and that story and so i mean a few times I, I definitely was i mean i thought i was on that train yeah a few times so i think it's done its job yeah i think um the fact that kenneth branagh is using dutch tilts quite a lot mm. helps mm. Because uh, he uses some in uh, the original Thor, which is an episode in itself coming soon with a guest. Woo Woo. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it gives you more like you're in the thing. Yeah, it's very like, It's so different uh, kind of angle. You're not used to that. So yeah. 
Oh, yeah, something I forgot to say about uh, in Thor, the, the fact that uh, that angle allowed for the kiss. Maybe they didn't need the apple boxes to actually kiss. Oh, that's yeah. because <laughs> we, there is one scene when we see that she's probably like two heads shorter than he is. Yeah. Natalie Portman and Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, so for that. yeah, so using that, they didn't have to. Oh, that's quite clever. I, I guess, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I always like that story about Gone with the Wind, like because she, because um, it wasn't even the fact that she was that much shorter. It's just like it was. They didn't want. They wanted him to be taller in a yeah, way. Yeah, because they, 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 they. It's this whole passionate thing of like the woman is like. Oh. But isn't the isn't the sad thing about that thing uh, whole story is that apparently is it Clark Gable? Yes. Apparently, he smelled so bad of onions. Was it onion specific? Uh, was it like Patrick Tell told us? Was it? I think Patrick. Yeah, uh, it was. It no, was. But no, I think it was because he had dentures or something, and he wasn't washing them or something. Uh, this oh, re- I'm not sure if it's no. him or not. The picture where we when we yeah, that's him. that's um, gone with the wind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah the one where she's on a he's on a box. No, she's yeah, what? <laughs> I can't remember. I think I think it's she's on a box just because she might be even shorter than. Maybe I can't remember. There's a photo of it, and I have I can't remember. But it's because they wanted like him to lean in and like grab her. Basically. Yeah, so she only needed to be one head shorter. Yeah, I think I think that's was the, much shorter. Yeah, I think she was much shorter. So they put her on a box to make it look more dynamic, which people do. You know, spoiler alert: cinema's not real. Essentially, whatever <laughs> we'll do, whatever it takes to fake it to make the shot in the end look really good, which is something I was astutely aware of. There's a like there's scenes because we saw it in Cineworld and it was in the the theater where they usually put the live streams, so it's like a bigger two D screen, and you're just watching it and you just see how big like Kenneth Branagh's face is. It makes you aware of like the acting, especially there's a new. We'll probably talk about more than more than this, and it's a good bit segue for her because um there's a lot of theater actors in this, wasn't there? Yeah. And uh, funnily enough, um, so Kenneth Branagh has his own theatre company. So, I mean, I'm guessing that, uh, was it Dromeo and Juliet that he recently did? Yeah, yeah the Garrick. The Garrick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he did um, Winter's Tale as Winter's well. Winter's Tale, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and The um, Entertainer. And, uh, I saw, oh, he's I, done a few things then. <laughs> he, he did, um, he did Harlequinade as well. Oh yeah. yeah! I went. Yeah, I yeah. went to see that with my friend Connor. It was excellent. Nice. It had an um, It had a pre. It had a separate monologue by Zoe Wanamaker, which was oh, just amazing. absolutely amazing. It was about um, her husband had recently died, and she just got back from like a a party or event sort of thing. And she basically talks about how he was always the one with the small talk and stuff, and it was just amazing. Wow. Like, She's great. She was great. And it also worked because she finished the monologue and went off stage. And then the, it immediately went straight into the actual show, uh, Harlequinade. And then when she made her appearance on that that one, she just like walked through the audience. Like uh. obviously she'd gone off to get dressed and then just come back in. It totally worked because um, the start of this Harlequinade was the fact that they were a touring company putting on Romeo and Juliet for like schools in the 50s so they were just practicing and then so obviously they used the auditorium as like they were practicing doing a tech rehearsal essentially mm-hmm. so it was only one to make could just walk through the audience and it's great that's a really nice idea actually. yeah it was excellent he's obviously got a lot of amazing ideas he's for a his... great flair for direction yeah yeah. Show business. Oh, yes, yes. Sh- should we have a plot summary? Not necessarily, because it's like Hercule Poirot standard master. master I mean, mystery. it's well known. We'll do a, we can do a basic one. Um, anyone want to take that up? Or do you want me to do it? We can do it. All right, I'll do it. I really should stop asking that. I think I'm the one that does the plot summaries now. Poirot in this film is currently working on a, a separate case in... I believe it's, is it Israel at this point? Would it be? Uh, yeah, we, we can see the lament wall. I don't know. How to the, we, the wailing wall. The wailing wall. Yes, it, yes. Did it, did it, it had In it, Jerusalem. It had a. 
Yeah. I had a date underneath that as well, because obviously Israel, it depends on what date they were doing, yeah, yeah. would be, mm-hmm. is it this, is it Israel or is it, yeah. you know, regardless. Anyway. I think it said Jerusalem, yeah. the Wailing Wall Jerusalem. So he's solving a case there. He wraps it up and he's like, right, I've earned myself a vacation or holiday if you're in Britain. So he's going home to have some time off. However, lo and behold, the only train that he goes on happens to have a murder on it. And <laughs> it's up to Poirot to solve who murdered Mr. Ratchet. Ah, <laughs> yeah. There we go. Yeah. That's essentially yeah. the plot of the film. The Poirot's on a train and he has to solve a murder. Pretty much, because everything else is a spoiler. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> There's so much information that's given like all throughout, but it's so succinctly done and so just and it's so beautiful to watch like it's just kind of stunning like with the snow and the mountains and the the avalanche section oh, yeah. and the lightning and all of that and the the train and the smoke and all of these amalgamations of like weather and the train going through these amazing landscapes it was just really really nice to, i thought it was just very different as well i'd never seen a film like that and me and anuk were talking at the end when we were walking home from the cinema you know what this was like a really good breath of fresh air for films right now because everything you know it's a cinematic universe or it's got a sequel coming up like mm. that the, maybe that's what annoyed me so much with it is because i was wanting to be refreshed and this was a like a a thing that was only going to be one iteration and then there's the whole thing with chapter one at the end you're like okay so they're doing the other part which obviously makes sense but regardless but it was nice because this felt like you know these old-fashioned tv movies like you were done it was a complete story you enjoyed it you had you took your time out of the world and you had watched a nice film Mm -hmm. yeah it may also be because i reckon it will be successful it could also start a new series of those that's a good point i reckon Mm. Mm. yes but it um what's nice is that it's it's a standalone yeah you know, the, so, the tv movies were yeah that's were, yeah. yeah yeah so that that's probably why it works so well because it's not like oh it's a massive franchise and they're connected it's just it's just hercule poirot like that's the only connection between the films hopefully. i mean that's why agatha christie was such a prolific writer because the only thing she ne- you needed to know was the character of poirot and you got that as soon as you read one so it didn't yeah. matter what order you picked up the books in you could read them whenever yeah of course you know? yeah yeah I, I reckon that the lord of the rings became very popular like massively when the three were were, were out because yeah. like mm. <laughs> the, the three movies were out because i mean like it stops in the middle of the thing and then stops again yeah because lord of the rings was meant to be um one book that was the big thing because i have i've religiously watched the appendices and the extended editions of lord of the rings and there's a whole part in the appendices where they talk about like the creation of the book and how tolkien really didn't want it to be three volumes yeah. he wanted it to be one collection thing Mm -hmm. which makes sense when you read it because the whole i mean jan's a big fan of time jumping so you must love the novel of lord of the rings i (laughs) yeah you know um i got acquainted to that story in 1999 when i learned that uh leif tyler would be cast as uh (laughs) so yeah so i read that i loved it and uh, so it's cool because I had time to digest the story and to make up my own stories in my head. Mm. So I had time to be disappointed a bit by the movie and stuff, as you always are. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I love, I love the whole, the whole thingy and uh, how Peter Jackson is now. Like, I, I'm not sure about the, f- <laughs> the fact that they stretched the Hobbit, which is a much, much, much smaller book, into like, three films. Yeah, it's like 600, 700 pages of that, uh, and it's three. It's I think collect with the extended editions it's probably about nine nine hours eight hours or something like that i think you can tell that they stretched it though mm. i think it's still entertaining yeah, yeah well, i right. loved it also but do you want to know a really interesting stretched. fact about that because i worked this out when i saw the first movie the first movie ends on book page 
page 96 or 90. It's before the first 150 pages the first film Yeah. Is, which is really weird. Yeah, they definitely stretched that one out. I still, I know that The Hobbit is something that people have been reading in their childhood. I haven't. I bought it very late. I still need to read it. I have it's a good. beautiful collector's edition yeah. limited, but oh. I still... <laughs> Lovely book. I love that book. I do love a collector's edition of a book. (laughs) Such a nerd. Mm. Did you know that um, in the 2010 version of this, there was one of the very few ginger person that I'm not crazy about. Um, Mm. She was Miss Julie, Jessica Chastain. Oh, of course. Ah, She was in the TV version, yeah. Toby Jones as the bad guy. So, so many people. So many good. Oh, I do love Toby Jones. He's a genius. He was so good in, um, was it Sherlock? Yeah, episode two of season four. Oh my God. Yeah, the whole like Jimmy Savile-esque. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I feel um, this one will be, in terms of the final rating, a bit uh, like your convoluted version in Jigsaw. Because uh, I would say there are people who saw and grew up with the original Poirot, which I was a part of that cult, Mm. clan, whatever. And those was just uh, discovering it now, because I think it will be spoilers, uh, non-free this episode, I reckon. Mm. Because I will say why in uh, five seconds, <laughs> I didn't buy the twist at all. All right, so we'll put the, we'll put the flag <laughs> on it. We'll put the flag yeah, on it. To be uh, fair, right? It's Murder on the Orient Express. The, the book came out when? I think it's been more than two weeks since oh, yeah, the book no, came out. Yeah, <laughs> but no, yeah, yeah, I don't know. But uh, the, one of the tropes is the fact that even when in the story it appears that someone has been exonerated, it's not necessarily forever. I remember distinctly in one of the mysteries, uh, I think it was Poirot indeed, everybody was suspected and at one point they found a bones, like a complete skeleton in a bathtub. So uh-huh. they say, okay, so that's not that guy, is there? And in the end, it was no, scam. it was not dead. It was just someone else. And it was actually the guy who did it. <laughs> um, the moment in this movie, spoilers are coming. The moment in this movie, when I saw uh, Michelle Pfeiffer with a knife on her um, shoulder, I knew something was very sketchy about her. And it yes. was around the an hour mark, something. Well, the knife bit. I thought the knife bit was near the end. No, it wasn't really near the end. Yeah, yeah. like t- I was more over the halfway mark. I mean, this film. Well, yeah, like probably forty minutes. I don't. I don't. Probably know. an hour and forty in. But I mean, you're supposed to still think that you had no idea who the murderer was, and I, I actually agree with you, Jan, because as soon as that was done, I feel like either it was her acting or the direction. She just suddenly became really manic. Yeah, And I'm not really sure why Michelle Pfeiffer had made that decision because then it made it very obvious that she was included in this whole thing. Mm, Okay, no, I I didn't really realize it was just from past experience that I said, oh, so that's her then. Ah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. yeah, so I just stopped noticing actually afterwards. Ah, okay. (laughs) I I distinctly remember my dad telling me the twist of Bird on the Orient Express, but I I didn't remember that in the cinema until we got to the end where they're all sitting like at the Last Supper essentially, and I'm like, oh, I remember what's going to happen. And you Mm kind of get there by the end of the film anyway. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the tropes also is at the end, that he always gathers them. Yeah, I was, and, I was, I was uh, the best then bit. It's you, it's you, yeah. it's you, and you, and there's one left out, and then. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> but actually, and yeah. that's quite famous because they do that in like Doctor Who, and yeah. they do it. Yeah. They kind of use that in all the detective spoofs, you know, like oh, bring them all around, and I'll. T- so, Mrs. The, ben, you know, is this the point where you explain how I did it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. it is exactly. Gosford Park. I remember this one. I loved it. It was one of a recent one. Um, Yeah, there were quite a few of those. It's such a fun 
and good genre. Yeah, the murder mystery. Murder mystery. Well, that's so, why, um, so famous. That's why escape rooms and stuff like that have become so popular. Like, there are escape rooms where you've got to figure out who's the murderer and stuff like that. Like, Cluedo, essentially. Oh, let's do that. <laughs> Cluedo one. Sure. Rather than Jigsaw, please, because that will terrify me. <laughs> I really doesn't want to do the Jigsaw escape room. I don't I blame really you. Don't I don't blame you. To. I'm scared. I don't mind, once again, Any... jumping on me, but... You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she won't, she won't survive um, a Saw version, I, no, I guess. Probably not. No, probably not. She, she was so funny in that. <sighs> anyway. Right, what did, did anyone have specific moments they didn't like in this? Because I know Anouk did. That we didn't? I... Oh, we did. Didn't. We'll do bad first. Didn't. Ah, okay, okay. Um, yeah? I need to think a second. And Nick, do you want to talk about the Hollywood eyes moments of this film? <laughs> yes. Okay, so... What I really liked about this film was that, as, as we've said, it's a breath of fresh air and there are lots of things that we hadn't seen before, like the Dutch angles and the uh, the way that the camera moved and panned. And it was just a very different way of showing like a story. Um, and I really hope that this wasn't Kenneth Branagh's idea. It was more of the production, the massive companies, you know, the kind of, uh, what are they called? Studios. Studios. Yeah. Studio Sharks. Um, came in and said look we need to do this you know you pan the camera pans towards in a kind of swinging way you know it goes it pans down and then it pans up towards the famous person's back and then they will reveal their face and it's just like oh for god's sake surely we're over this by now we do (laughs) not need to reveal johnny depp like he's supposed to be a character yeah. The- so why are we revealing Ratchet? Surely I don't. I just don't. I just. I've never understood the reveal of Hollywood. We I don't should, know why they keep doing. We should this. start a series where we like create the shots for people, like reenact. <laughs> it's like this. In this episode, we talked about the dramatic reveal. Here's an example of a dramatic reveal that Anik was talking about, and we yeah, recreate that. I agree. I, I I noticed that. Yeah. I I don't. I there was, a, there I was don't a lot. Know what I feel about that, but I noticed it. Oh, that's strange. There was yeah. A, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because they didn't want to... um, I felt like the whole film was going against that, you know? Like, it was star... It was full of stars and Kenneth Branagh and it is obviously a massive star and all this stuff. But I felt like the whole film was like for its own sake. It wasn't supposed to be like, oh, come and see these amazing like celebrities. It did. I think... I think you're right, but I also feel that the dramatic reveal is the quickest way to establish most characters. Because um, I feel because everyone's so used to this like quickness of cinema right now, like we need instant gratification, as you usually say in some episodes when we talk about major Hollywood monkeys, monkeys and all that. The quickest way to just get people to know who these characters are is just to reveal them dramatically, realistically. I mean, we had the the conductor trying to escape with a, with a prostitute at the beginning. You know, like we're going to have an argument for twenty minutes, and then I think I'm we're going to make up. Like we had him and then we have i mean poirot's the only good introduction is poirot's really they take they take a good time with poirot like with the eggs and the imbalance and stuff like that which i thought was nice because i do remember the imbalance being a big thing uh, for poirot um so I, i'm not it's nice that they took their time with that and kept it no but there's a difference between revealing a character and revealing the celebrity behind the character yeah this is true and I this mean, they, they do this in Bollywood. I was talking to Adam about this. They do this in Bollywood all the time. But celebrity culture is quite different there because there's a lot more craze and a lot more like, ah, craze, like, you know, hunger to like be around these cele- these massive Bollywood celebrities. But the whole film is melodramatic mm. and it's all kind of like song and dance and melodrama. Well, um, in Bollywood, do they name the characters after the actors sometimes instead of just having the character name? 
if it's a big name. Is that a thing? In what sense, sorry? Well, like, for example, in... Uh, John Depp will play a character named Johnny. Yeah, stuff like that. Or, um, for example, Will, uh, Will, Will Smith played a character called Will in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, that sort of thing. You know, like, uh, is that a thing in Bollywood as well? Because if you're talking, if you're saying, like, it's an ima- like it's a fanatical craze for the actors and actresses. And in fair right, too, because they're they're real performers. Whereas celebrity over here is, you're in a film and they lo- everyone loves you. In Bollywood, like, they work for it. Yeah, like, I It's mean, all you about to, dancing. You have, dance. you have to be able to dance and sing and that makes you a big name you don't sing oh that's a good point it's, it's someone it's behind the, the yeah behind yeah the they, they just lip sync yeah. but they have to be amazing at lip syncing you have to be an army of Channing Tatums <laughs> exactly exactly no but I, I feel like there's a different type of love for like we, we've always wanted to like pit our whole belief in realism mm. but then to have these celebrity re- reveals it's just make up your mind you know what I mean like either you're you're into realism or you're into the Bollywood melodrama where it is all about the character but also about the actor behind it and it's all fanatical and crazy and all this stuff Mm. but then that's kind of lovely because they've kind of owned it but it's almost like Hollywood can't own that they've kind of been like oh we want it to be realism but we also want Johnny Depp to be like revealed well we talked about this (laughs) in um, the Thor episode where our guest really iterates the difference between Marvel and DC whereas Marvel now accepts what they are DC is still trying to go for this gritty reality, but they again there are superheroes, so you're like, this doesn't work in this sense. You can't have like people a hundreds of people dying in like a, a building crash, but then have a sequence where we're just pummeling the shit out of somebody and they're still alive. Like there's a whole sequence in a Batman versus Superman where like Batman like takes out like a building of henchmen. And the whole point is that Batman doesn't kill, but some of the moves he's doing to these henchmen, you're like, you would be dead. <laughs> Like he, you would be a red shirt. Like you would be, you totally getting red shirt. You know, like that's a new verb. Uh, red yeah, I've been red, red shirted. Oh, I'm so sorry. Funny. It's just, just, just the grunts day in the office. Like, hey, Bill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got a new uniform today. Oh, really? What? What? It's uh, it's it's red. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> When did they let you know? Uh, I got an email the other week and uh, he was like, you know what, I think you're ready to get up to the red shirt phase. I'm like, oh. Fucking Godfellas like Joe Pesci. Okay. Now you go in the room and uh, boom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 What a great scene. Yeah. Funny. Funny how? Like like a clown? Yeah. Oh, it's so good. The, no, there was a, um, a dramatic reveal in um, that I thought, yeah, well, it's they're in Suburbicon. We're going to do an episode, uh, I think, at one point. But when uh, the uncle comes to help oh and, yeah. uh, the we know it must be that guy but uh like it's not revealed until it's up to debate if it's either him or the dad or someone, or else. someone yeah, else yeah but we know it's somebody good essentially yeah, yeah because the guy is dead but where the fuck are you yeah. i will talk about that because that's a deliberate twist because there's a twist in that reveal yeah, yeah, a double yeah, reveal so, yeah, in yeah. That scene. yeah so that's i think i think there's no problem with revealing characters it's just when you reveal a celebrity that annoys me yeah because it's like it's very obvious you're revealing this part this character not because of the character or the film or anything to do with the story because at least a berbicon did that for a story uh reason and as much as it's annoying it's still for the film oh yeah of course yeah yeah but i mean my major point was that it's a celebrity reveal and that's annoying to me Mm. completely because we're i feel like hollywood's over that and we don't need it i feel like everything before we get on the train is a bit it varies because i think a really good positive thing to come out of this film is you know how you film on a location such as a train you've been on a train like they're really compact and tight the camera moves so smooth on that train like there's a consistency you you don't ever feel like you've been shut into this train 
That's very true, actually. Which it's so free-flowing and it's really nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it kind of gives you this idea of the luxury of first class because there is no, there's no restraint on how, the, how it moves at all. Like it's, yeah. it's, it feels bigger than it, you know it is. And that's really nice. Actually. Yeah. It, it, they, they do actually make a point that all these people on the train are rich. Yes. And they have money to like splash out. Um, and there are quite a lot of like little anecdotes about that, aren't there? Yeah. Like a few of them make... I mean, the Orient Express is legend. I mean, like... back, Yeah, back in those days, it was only the, the, the rich that traveled that way. Mm-hmm. Back in that time. Nowadays, most people, well, not really first class, but... It's more accessible. Sure. But well, but if you think about it, nowadays, the cheapest way to travel is the bus. Then there is the plane. And after that, it's the, the train. The train is uh, because of the uh, now that planes are way cheap, they're low cost. And uh, now that the buses are in France before um, two or three years ago, you couldn't travel by bus between major cities. Really? No. Wow. You couldn't. Um, there is a legislation that came from our now president Macron, which is the, like the Macron legislation, which made it that since three or four years ago, we can now travel. This is how I brought my Mac back from France using three different buses. And the one was the- oh, Jan. <laughs> the effort Jan went to to bring yes, this piece of technology back to the country. You should be grateful, <laughs> yeah. listeners. Yeah, I mean, I think it's amazing how long some of these coach trips, bus trips, are. Well, I like, did, yeah, a trip from Glasgow or Edinburgh, where we nice day to London. I did this again with my friend Connor. This was Connor when we went to see um, Harlequinade. We travelled by bus. Mm. Ten hours. And then Ten we hours. queued to try and get returns for um, uh, Judy Dench and A Winter's Tale and it was like 110 quid each. We're like, you know what? Let's go and let's look at another place. And we went to see The Hairy Ape, which is a excellent, excellent play at the Old Vic. And the writer of The Hairy Ape is, and I should know this, O'Neill. Oh! Really good. Uh, and then Eugene? I, uh, Eugene O'Neill. Yeah. And it had the best acting I've ever seen in my life. And it was a guy playing a gorilla at the end of the play. The acting was phenomenal. Okay. It was wow. no, I, I, I can't even... It was like the movement and the, the, the mannerisms were just spot on. Like it felt like it wasn't a guy in a suit. It felt like they had a real animal. Wow. Like it was spot on. So it wasn't just uh, Penny from the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> no. If anyone gets that reference. Well, in this year's... Um can Palmador called The Square, which is a movie about um, contemporary art, you know, like put a toilet in a museum and voila, oh, contemporary yeah. art. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> the movie in itself is kind of a contemporary object, so I was not crazy about it. But there is one moment when the, the, there is uh, our favorite uh, tactic in there, Dominic West, which plays uh, something in that movie. Well, anyway, one of the characters plays an artist who is a chimp, like a... Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, and it's very impressive performance. Like he goes berserk, even tries to rape a woman in in the middle of the the dinner uh, hall and Christ. stuff. Yeah, oh, before he's God. stopped and killed on the spot by the <laughs> angry mob. Wow! Wow! But that's uh, that's an impressive uh, chimp performance. Nothing there. that violent in a film called Murder Murder on the Orient Express. Actually, the murder isn't even that horrific either. No, no. And, and 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 actually, I thought that was a really nice upward shot oh yeah with me of the murder scene because yeah. then you see all the di- and actually that was a really good way of um allowing space mm. because then it wasn't like the camera was crowded you know behind two three people and a dead body you know it was bu- above 
So yes. that was very clever. Yes, yes, yes. And by the way, that scene, uh, I don't remember exactly in the movie, but the, the major difference between the movie and the TV movies, they, that's the movie, the, the one we're talking about is way more cinematic. Mm. And there are less clues because in that scene, in the TV movie, Poirot actually counts, he, he looks at the wounds and he counts that there are 12. Ah. And uh, so we have an early clue that uh, it may not be... No, no, you know, he, not, no, he notices two at first. So mm -hmm. we have an early clue that it may be by more one, than that, one more person. person. Yeah. And then he, it's like more, like 12. Yeah. Yeah, because he. I don't think we have that in the movie. I don't remember. The only thing I remember in the TV one was the fact that he burn, does the clue of the burning, the, the burnt piece of thing already. He does that in the coach in the, in the movie. In the TV version. And then in this one, he goes outside and does it with a, a lamp. But essentially, it's done the same way. I think it's a lamp as well. Okay, okay. In the new yeah. one. In the well, old one. It might not be. Well, in the very last scene in the TV, is not a uh, like a Jesus and the Apostles kind of uh, yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. It's inside one of the wagons, but yeah, it's yeah. not yet. But I, I love the, the new way. Yeah. Mm, so it was I, very nice. It was yeah. very cin it was cinematic. Nice. Yeah, the, the, the pan, seeing all of them sit, sit, it was literally like Jesus and the Apostles. All the disciples. Yeah. Yes, yes, and you could see like it was building up. Like you, you had everything, everything. Oh, but he's missing someone who is, was right uh, next to that person. He just questioned and he, he jumped on. The, yeah. yeah. So it was. Yeah. yeah. It was very nice. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I think that it's it's it's, it's a genius w uh, way of. Um, I really felt for the Armstrong family. Yeah. And I have no idea how. I mean, that's pretty. You know, that's some cinematic genius. Because I totally agree with this. They they hardly had a role. They they weren't really like there weren't any scenes with them. But the way that the stories and and all of these people were affected and and the story in general and the fact that we weren't really made to like Johnny Depp's character in the first place, so we're kind of more likely to you know go against him very quickly. But that's amazing because they weren't real. <laughs> ever. You know, and, yeah, you know, in the wrong hands, this movie would start with the the murder of that child. Yeah, you know, then yes. the, and they would start with that, and then you would cut to Poirot. But this one, the way it was structured and the way it, it just stuck to it, this is what it is. It didn't feel force fed to us. The whole ascent kind of not B plot, but the back, the the meaning for every the reason why this is all happening felt very or given to us very organically like it came out with a questioning you know and it was like the audience as well were getting the clues with Poirot you know mm. it wasn't all given to us at the end in a big speech like oh this is how I did it and this yeah. links to that like we organically got the clues yeah each, each it's nice time, that he struggled really nice. as well and he had this kind of I actually had no idea about Poirot's love interest with this with this woman who I'm guessing is dead well, you know, um, in the TV series, he's not talking to a woman, he's talking to God, I think I remember. Ah, yes. Okay. yes. So yes. this is Kenneth Branagh's idea of making it a... Or, or it's in the book, maybe they modified for the TV, I don't uh, know. Ah, uh, okay. I haven't mm. read the... Yeah, I, I had no idea that he had a one once a love. I think that was to make him more human. Yeah, I mean, in a specific scene when he's talking, uh, so maybe also in the TV series he had one, mm. but... Yeah. Uh, but I mean the the the, the bit where he Sweet he's looking at the the picture and yeah, uh, yeah he's talking to God in the, in the TV movie. I think that was to make him more human because there's a definite yeah. there's a, at the beginning of the film was like oh this man's like a kind of a machine you know like he's in he's he's got OCD you know yeah totally totally and this kind of makes brings you back to God no he's, he's he's like us too like you know he might be like this crazy math solving crime stopping machine but. <laughs> 
realistically, he's, he's just like you two. Right. And he also knows what loss feels like, yeah. which is kind of connects him to making a really nice decision in the end. Because he understands what it feels like to lose someone that you like. Oh, so that's probably why. Because it's, yeah, in a TV movie, the end is not the same at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the, I don't remember. Because the-, we're, the, the, cho- the choice he makes is ambiguous. The way it's designed, he's telling them that he's against the law and he's going to report them and everything. So he goes out. And there's the police and uh, we can see sometimes the camera on the on the rest of the group and sometimes on him talking to the police. And then you can see the group wandering and you can see him and then he's leaving like that in tears, obviously conflicted. But you don't you don't know exactly if he actually told the police mm. or not. That's I, interesting. I don't think they would have got away with that if they did this year. I don't think they would get away with it because it's an because it's an actual movie. In a sense, because with TV, you knew that you were probably going to get another Poirot, and again, this probably wouldn't. Murder on the Orient Express wouldn't have been his first outing as that Poirot, so we know the character. But with this point, if it bit left ambiguous, people would be like, "Well, that's a bit disappointing." Because I remember people got annoyed at the ending of Dark Knight Rises. Like, yes, they people, did. People that watch movies, man, want to be told how it ends. Yeah, they want a categorical ending. They hate but- the ambiguity because they don't. They don't want to. People don't want to work anymore. <laughs> Inception. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they don't really want to. No one's famous for that. Well, you know, yeah. I, I only and un- <laughs> so that that's me, everyone. I only noticed that there was um, sequels to Batman Begins. Uh, I think like five or six years afterwards. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So have you, wow. have you seen them yet? Uh, I've watched the second one, and like the last one, I must have watched it last year or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. I really like them. You like Dunkirk as well. I still haven't seen Dunkirk, and I really want to see it. That might ah. be an issue when we do the episode of what was the be- the good, the bad, and they're just playing standard of the year. We might need to get a new copy of Dunkirk, but yeah, it'll, yeah, it'll be yeah, out. I'll, but I'll, I guarantee that's out for Christmas. I'm Gar- sure I can guarantee. find it, of course. Yeah. Yeah, this is a very good point. Um, you know, the media release, like depending mm. on how the movie did or if it's just uh, <laughs> like The Dark Tower was released in VOD two months after theatrical release. Oh, wow. Mm. Two months. That means it bombed box office. Mm. That means it bombed and they have to get copies out so they want to make the budget back like quickly. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a good I point. Mean, that's pretty bad. I, I noticed uh, it's unrelated, but a fun fact, in the TV movie, uh, the guy playing the owner of the train uh, the actor is called Serge Azanavicius, oh. who is the older brother of the guy who directed the artist. Oh. Oh. Yes, hey. it's a heavy um, filmmaking, acting, uh, writing family in France, the Azanavicius. Okay. Runs cool. in the family. Oh. There's so many families, aren't there? <laughs> okay. so, yeah, in the world, there are so many families. <laughs> oh, ha ha, very funny. <laughs> You know what I meant I by know. that. That yeah, was the cruel. Baldwins, the yeah, 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 all of those. Talk about that all the time. We, we Scars already... guards. Oh, yeah. my favorite family. Martin. Martin is the most famous family name in France. The at the, at the very top of the list. Martin. Who do what do they what who? Have we would we have seen them in anything or are they mainly French? Uh, no, 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 not in. Uh, I mean, in a country you have many oh, people with I different names. At yeah, the yeah. top of the the, the most um, prominent name in all nation is okay. Martin. It's also a first name, but it's mostly uh, ah, as, a, okay. as the last name that. Oh. Uh, yeah. that's quite interesting because you always think because Britain is like you'd imagine Smith or whatever you know. Yeah, Smith. Or Jake. it's really weird because we usually have most popular like baby names. But family names are quite an interesting one. I wonder. I do wonder what the most popular family name in Britain must be. 
It can't be Smith. It won't be Smith. It'll be it'll be someone else. Cheer Smith. There are a lot of Smiths though. I Cheer finally Smith. know their names. <laughs> Is that the Pemberton and Cheer Smith? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Reese Cheer Smith and oh, what's his first name? Yeah, that's Steve right. Pemberton. Steve Pemberton and Reese Cheer Smith. Geniuses. Cracking writers, they are. Yeah. Cracking writers. Geniuses. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I actually really want to see this film again. I would go and like, watch it I again. Really, I actually want to see the Suchet version. I want to read the book. It was, it, I'm just completely in love with the story and it was really well done. Yeah, it's it's funny because um, for this one, it's weird to talk about in the sense of that because it's such a contained story. It's one, it's a perfect example of one of these films that you should just go and see. Like we could talk about things we like in them, and people can come back and listen and see if they agree. But at the end of the day, if, if you just listen to hear what's worth seeing, this is worth seeing. You know? Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Totally loved it. Yeah. Totally loved Definitely. it. Definitely. Oh, and there's uh, Derek Jacobi in there, isn't there? I think. Yes, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the uh, first Another time I saw actor. him uh, was with. Uh, yeah, and it was uh, Claudius, the uncle, the, oh. the, the uncle, Hamlet's uncle in uh, yeah, nineteen ninety six. Oh wow, uh, Branagh's Hamlet. Yeah, yeah, he was in Doctor Who as the well. The master, yes, the master, yeah. yes. That was yeah. so good. Before John Sim came. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was very nice. Yeah, yeah. Very subtle. Very, yeah. Very good master, Derek Jacobi. So before we bring this one to a close, I want to ask, because Jan just raised a good point about um, it was ambiguous. And again, this ending is kind of ambiguous in a way because they present him with another case that he's off to go and solve. Do you think that that was put in the movie in case this did well? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's why I said earlier that it's, yeah, well, I didn't go into specifics, but I do think that's you think why, that's because we, yeah, 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 because it's always been a series of of uh, books, of stories, so I'm pretty sure that it will do well, first of all, because uh, I'm also pretty sure that the new generations today don't necessarily know the, know twist and, the, yeah. the, the whole Poirot thingy, and mm. so, uh, yeah, maybe it was, um, I'm pretty sure it was put in, in, in there for that, yeah. So with that in mind, would you two... Go and see another one with Kenneth Branagh as Poirot. Oh, if they do, if they make it like a franchise? Yeah, if it became a series, like whenever he's not busy. Yeah, I don't know if he will probably also direct it. No, I don't think he would either. Well, I don't know. Depends. No, I was, well, (laughs) I will rephrase my sentence. I don't know. Maybe he would redirect it. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, um, because, I mean, we didn't go into specifics, but Thor was directed by him, Thor 2 by someone else, and Thor Ragnarok by someone else also. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I think they're setting up for a kind of a Poirot universe, but we've got <laughs> universes now, so... They- we uh, do, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 we're in that kind of uh, time frame of the... The whole thing of universes and so on. Universes, oh. franchises. Yeah. Franchise era. <laughs> yeah, it depends how it does on the first weekend. I don't know how it did. I know Ragnarok was like, wow, 70, no, 100 and, uh, well, some millions. I mean, so this, some million. this will do well in Britain. I think so. And it'll do well in the US as well because of the cast. And I, I'm pretty sure there are vivid and many Agatha Christie readers in America too. So this will do all right. Yeah, for sure. It's not going to flop, put it that way. And it doesn't deserve to if it does because it's well made and it's enjoyable and fun. And fun fact, I know my parents are probably going to go and see this one. So yeah, <laughs> mom, dad, this one is definitely good. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's worth yeah. going to see. Definitely go and see it. So with that in mind, Anouk, Jan, is Murder on the Orient Express 2017 good, bad or just plain standard? Anouk? Good, it's very good. Jan? It's very good, and uh, with a budget of only 55 million, oh, which is that's which, low which is for good. nowadays. Yes, that's yeah, nice. very low. I'd uh, probably get his money back very, very, very soon. Oh, well done. Yeah. 
if you're new into the whole Poirot thing, yeah, it's good. Very entertaining. You'll love it. If you're used to um, Poirot stories, you'll be a bit disappointed, but you'll still enjoy it anyway. So good and good. I'd agree with that because I'm new to it, but I knew of Poirot. So I still feel like I get the benefit of being new to it. But I imagine that because that was another thing that was in the cinema. We saw a lot of um, the older generation at the cinema, which was really nice to see. Because yeah. obviously they knew, the, they knew the story and they grew up with the older version. So I will say it's good. I'd say it's good for all ages. I mean, it will be different to what you remember. As long as you come with an open mind, you'll enjoy it because it is a very well-made film. And it's a very good breath of fresh air in the world of sequels and prequels and everything else in between so yeah good cool so there we um, go that was murder on the orient express nice wee short episode i think this week yeah yeah yeah, yeah. indeed uh, i uh, for some reason i thought it were, poirot was french but no he's from belgium so that's, <laughs> that's cool yeah <laughs> go belgium that's different yeah, yeah 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 that's cool that's cool at least in that movie i don't uh, i don't really know where he's from i think he's belgium yeah belgium i think well. yeah because in the tv i don't remember them saying well anyway so it leaves us to sign off yeah so uh thank you very much for listening we're thank approaching you. the thousand total downloads now yeah we're nearly there so exciting yeah almost uh yeah yeah three figures for the total (laughs) very excited so as always this was adam anuk and jan bye 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 au revoir (laughs) (laughs) bye bye au revoir à bientôt